Section 14 of The Natural History, Volume 5. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information, or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. The Natural History, Volume 5, by Pliny the Elder. Translated by John Bostock and Henry Thomas Riley. Section 14, Book 23, Chapters 34 to 50. Chapter 34 the leaves of the olive 23 remedies the next rank after the vine clearly belongs to the olive the leaves of the olive tree are astringent detergent and binding in the highest degree chewed and applied to sores they are of a healing nature and applied topically with oil they are good for headache a decoction of them with honey makes a good liniment for such parts of the body as have been subjected to cauterization as also for inflammations of the gums, whitlows, and foul and putrid ulcers. Combined with honey, they arrest discharges of blood from the nervous parts of the body. The juice of olive leaves is efficacious for carbuncular ulcers and pustules about the eyes, and for procedence of the pupil. Hence it is much employed in the composition of eye salves, having the additional property of healing inveterate runnings of the eyes and ulcerations of the eyelids. This juice is extracted by pouring wine and rainwater upon the leaves and then pounding them, after which the pulp is dried and divided into lozenges. Used with wool as a pessary, this preparation arrests menstruation when in excess and is very useful for the treatment of purulent sores, condylometer, erysipelas, spreading ulcers, and epinactis. Chapter 35 The Blossom of the Olive Four Remedies the blossom too of the olive tree possesses similar properties the young branches are burnt when just beginning to blossom and of the ashes a substitute for spodium is made upon which wine is poured and it is then burnt afresh to separations and inflamed tumours these ashes are applied or else the leaves beaten up with honey for the eyes they are used with polenta the juice which exudes from the wood when burnt in a green state heals lichens scaly eruptions and running ulcers as to the juice which exudes naturally from the olive tree and more particularly that of ethiopia we cannot be sufficiently surprised that authors should have been found to recommend it as an application for toothache and to tell us at the same time that it is a poison and even that we must have recourse to the wild olive for it the bark of the roots of the olive as young and tender a tree as possible being selected scraped and taken every now and then in honey is good for patients suffering from spitting of blood and purulent expectorations the ashes of the tree itself mixed with axle grease are useful for the cure of tumours and heal fistulas by the extraction of the vicious humours which they contain chapter thirty six white olives four remedies black olives three remedies white olives are wholesome for the upper regions of the stomach but not so good for the bowels eaten by themselves habitually as a diet quite fresh and before they are preserved they are remarkably serviceable having the effect of curing gravel and of strengthening the teeth when worn or loosened by the use of meat black olives on the other hand are not so wholesome for the upper regions of the stomach but are better for the bowels they are not good however for the head or for the eyes both kinds pounded and applied topically are good for the cure of burns but the black olive is sometimes chewed first and instantly applied to the sore for the purpose of preventing blisters from forming 
Colymbides act as a detergent for foul ulcers, but they are bad for persons suffering from strangury. Chapter 37. Immerser of Olives. 21 Remedies. As to the immerser of olives, we might appear to have said enough on the subject already, taking Cato as our guide. It remains, however, to speak of the medicinal uses of this substance. It is extremely serviceable as a strengthener of the gums and for the cure of ulcers of the mouth. It has the effect, also, of strengthening loose teeth in the sockets, and an application of it is good for erysipelas and spreading ulcers. For chilblains the immerser of the black olive is the best, as also a fomentation for infants. That of the white olive is used, with wool, as a pessary for affections of the uterus. Of both kinds, however, the immerser is much more serviceable when boiled, this being done in a vessel of Cyprian copper, to the consistency of honey. Thus prepared, it is used, according to the necessities of the case, with either vinegar, old wine, or honeyed wine, for the treatment of maladies of the mouth, teeth, and ears, and for running ulcers, diseases of the generative organs, and chaps on various parts of the body. It is employed topically for the cure of wounds in a linen pledget, and for sprains in wool. As a medicament, it is of great utility, more particularly when old, as in such case it affects the cure of fistula. It is used as an injection for ulcerations of the fundament, the generative organs, and the uterus, and is employed topically for incipient gout and diseases of the joints. Boiled down again with omphacium to the consistency of honey, it extracts decayed teeth and, in combination with the decoction of lupines and the plant chameleon, it is a marvellous cure for itch in beasts of burden. Fomentations of a mercer in a raw state are extremely good for gout. Chapter 38. 4. The Leaves of the Wild Olive. 16 Remedies. The leaves of the wild olive are possessed of similar properties. The spodium that is made by burning the young branches is of remarkable efficacy for arresting fluxes. It allays inflammations of the eyes also, acts as a detergent upon ulcerous sores, makes the flesh grow on wounds from which it has been removed, and acts gently as a caustic upon fleshy excrescences, drying them up and making them cicatrice. The rest of its properties are similar to those of the cultivated olive. There is, however, one peculiarity in it. The leaves, boiled with honey, are given in doses of a spoonful for spitting of blood. The oil, too, of the wild olive is more acrid and possesses greater energy than that of the cultivated olive. Hence it is that it is usual to rinse the mouth with it for the purpose of strengthening the teeth. The leaves, too, are applied topically with wine to whitlows, carbuncles and all kinds of gatherings and with honey to sores which require a detergent. Both the decoction of the leaves and the natural juices of the wild olive form ingredients in medicaments for the eyes and the latter are found useful as an injection for the ears in the case of purulent discharges even. From the blossom of the wild olive, a liniment is prepared for condylometa and epinictis. It is applied also to the abdomen with barley meal for fluxes, and to the head with oil for headache. In cases where the scalp becomes detached from the cranium, the young branches boiled and applied with honey have a healing effect. These branches too, when arrived at maturity, taken with the food, arrest diarrhoea. Parched and beaten up with honey, they act as a detergent upon corroding sores and bring carbuncles to a head and disperse them. Chapter 39. 
on fascium three remedies as to olive oil we have abundantly treated of its nature and elements already it now remains to speak of the medicinal properties of the various kinds of oil the most useful of oil is on fascium and next to that green oil in addition to which we may remark that oil ought to be as fresh as possible except in cases where old oil is absolutely required for medicinal purposes too oil should be extremely fluid have an agreeable smell and be free from all taste just the converse in fact of the property which we look for in food omphasium is good for the gums and if kept from time to time in the mouth there is nothing better as a preservative of the whiteness of the teeth it checks profuse perspirations chapter forty oil of enanthi twenty eight remedies oil of enanthi has just the same properties as oil of roses like oil in general it makes the body supple and imparts to it strength and vigour it is injurious to the stomach promotes the increase of ulcers irritates the fauces and deadens the effect of all poisons white lead and gypsum in particular if taken in hydromel or a decoction of dried figs taken with water it is good as an antidote to the effects of opium and to injuries inflicted by cantharides the buprestis the salamandra and the pine caterpillar taken pure as an emetic it is highly esteemed as an antidote in all the before-mentioned cases it is also a refreshing remedy for extreme lassitude and for fits of shivering from cold taken warm in doses of six kiathi and more particularly when boiled with rue it relieves gripings of the stomach and expels intestinal worms taken in doses of one hemina with wine and warm water or else with barley water it acts as a purgative upon the bowels it is useful also in the composition of plasters for wounds and it cleanses the complexion of the face injected into the nostrils of oxen till it produces eructation it cures attacks of flatulency when old it is of a more warming nature than when new and acts more energetically as a sudorific and as a resolvent for indurations it is very efficacious in cases of lethargy and more particularly in the decline of the disease mixed with an equal proportion of honey which has not been smoked it contributes in some degree to the improvement of the sight it is a remedy also for headache and in combination with water for the burning attacks in fevers if old oil should happen not to be at hand the new oil is boiled to act as a substitute for it chapter forty one castor oil sixteen remedies castor oil taken with an equal quantity of warm water acts as a purgative upon the bowels it is said too that as a purgative this oil acts more particularly upon the regions of the diaphragm it is very useful for diseases of the joints all kinds of indurations affections of the uterus and ears and for burns employed with the ashes of the murex it heals itch scabs and inflammations of the fundament it improves the complexion also and by its fertilizing tendencies promotes the growth of the hair the cecus or seed from which this oil is made no animal will touch and from these grape-like seeds wicks are made which burn with a peculiar brilliancy the light however that is produced by the oil is very dim in consequence of its extreme thickness the leaves are applied topically with vinegar for erysipelas and fresh gathered they are used by themselves for diseases of the mammalae and defluxions 
a decoction of them in wine with polenta and saffron is good for inflammation of various kinds. Boiled by themselves and applied to the face for three successive days, they improve the complexion. Chapter 42. Oil of Almonds. 16 Remedies. Oil of almonds is of a purgative and emollient nature. It effaces wrinkles on the skin, improves the complexion, and in combination with honey, removes spots on the face. A decoction of it with oil of roses, honey, and pomegranate rind is good for the ears and exterminates the small worms that breed there. It has the effect also of dispelling hardness of hearing, recurrent tinglings and singing in the ears, and is curative of headache and pains in the eyes. Used with wax, it cures boils and scorches by exposure to the sun. In combination with wine, it heals running ulcers and scaly eruptions, and with melilloty, condylomatous swellings. Applied by itself to the head, it invites sleep. Chapter 43. Oil of Laurel. Nine Remedies. As to the oil of laurel, the fresher and greener it is, the more valuable are its properties. It is of a heating nature, and is consequently applied warm in a pomegranate rind for paralysis, spasms, sciatica, bruises, headache, catars of long standing, and diseases of the ears. Chapter 44. Oil of Myrtle. 20 Remedies. Oil of Myrtle has similar properties. It is of an astringent and endurative nature. Mixed with the scoria of copper and wax, it cures diseases of the gums, toothache, dysentery, ulcerations of the uterus, affections of the bladder, inveterate or running ulcers, eruptions and burns. It exercises a healing effect also upon excoriations, scaly eruptions, chaps, condylomata and sprains, and it neutralizes offensive odours of the body. This oil is an antidote to cantharides, liburprestis, and other dangerous poisons of a corrosive nature. Chapter 45. Oil of camimersine or oxymersine. Oil of cypress, oil of citrus, oil of walnuts, oil of canidium, oil of mastique, oil of balanus, various remedies. Oil of camimersine or oxymersine possesses similar properties. Oil of cypress also produces the same effect as oil of myrtle, and the same as to oil of citrus. Oil of walnuts, which we have previously mentioned as being called carinon, is good for alopecy, and is injected into the ears for cure of hardness of hearing. Used as a liniment, it relieves headache, but in other respects it is of an inert nature and disagreeable taste. Indeed, if part only of one of the kernels should happen to be decayed, the whole making is spoiled. The oil extracted from the grain of canidos has similar properties to castor oil. Oil of mastique is very useful as an ingredient in the medicinal preparation known as acopum. Indeed, it would be fully as efficacious as oil of roses were it not found to be somewhat too styptic in its effects. It is employed in cases of too profuse perspiration and for the cure of pimples produced thereby. It is extremely efficacious also for the itch in beasts of burden. Oil of balanus removes spots on the skin, boils, freckles, and maladies of the gums. Chapter 46. The cypress and the oil extracted from it. 16 remedies. Glucinum, one remedy. We have already enlarged upon the nature of the cypress and the method of preparing oil of cypress. 
This oil is naturally warming and relaxes the sinews. The leaves of the tree are used as an application to the stomach, and the juice of them is applied in a pessary for irritations of the uterus. Fresh gathered and chewed, the leaves are applied to running ulcers of the head, ulcerations of the mouth, gatherings, and condylomatous sores. A decoction of the leaves is very useful also for burns and sprains. Beaten up and applied with the juice of the struthium, they turn the hair red. The blossoms applied to the head with vinegar relieve headache, and the ashes of them, burnt in a pot of raw earth, are curative of corrosive sores and putrid ulcers, either employed by themselves or in combination with honey. The odour exhaled by these blossoms induces sleep. The oil called glucinum has certain astringent and refreshing properties similar to those of oil of inanthe. Chapter 47. Oil of Balsamum. 15 Remedies. The oil of balsamum is by far the most value of them all, as already stated by us, when treating of the unguents. It is extremely efficacious for the venom of all kinds of serpents, is very beneficial to the eyesight, disperses films upon the eyes, assuages hardness of breathing, and acts emolliently upon all kinds of gatherings and indurations. It has the effect also of preventing the blood from coagulating, acts as a detergent upon ulcers, and is remarkably beneficial for diseases of the ears, headache, trembling, spasms, and ruptures. Taken in milk, it is an antidote to the poison of aconite, and used as a liniment upon the access of the shivering fits in fevers, it modifies their violence. Still, however, it should be used but sparingly, as it is of a very caustic nature, and if not employed in moderation, is apt to augment the malady. Chapter 48. Malobathrum, Five Remedies. We have already spoken also of the nature of malobathrum, and the various kinds of it. It acts as a diuretic, and, sprinkled in wine upon the eyes, it is used very advantageously for defluxions of those organs. It is applied also to the forehead for the purpose of promoting sleep, but it acts with still greater efficacy if the nostrils are rubbed with it, or if it is taken in water. The leaves placed beneath the tongue impart a sweetness to the mouth and breath, and put among clothes they produce a similar effect. Chapter 49. Oil of henbane, two remedies. Oil of lupines, one remedy. Oil of narcissus, one remedy. Oil of radishes, five remedies. Oil of sesame, three remedies. Oil of lilies, three remedies. Oil of selga, one remedy. Oil of eguvium, one remedy. Oil of henbane is of an emollient nature, but is bad for the nerves. Taken in drink, it disturbs the brain. Therminum, or oil of lupines, is emollient and very similar to oil of roses in its effects. As to oil of narcissus, we have already spoken of it when describing that flower. Oil of radishes cures theriasis, contracted in a long illness, and removes roughness of the skin upon the face. Oil of sesame is curative of pains in the ears, spreading ulcers, and the cancer known as cacoethes. Oil of lilies, which we have previously mentioned as being called oil of phasalis and oil of Syria, is extremely good for the kidneys and for promoting perspiration, as also an emollient for the uterus and as tending to bring internal tumours to a head. As to oil of selga, we have already spoken of it as being strengthening to the tendons, which is the case also with the herbaceous oil which the people of Eguvium sell on the Flaminian Way. 
Chapter 50. Eliomeli, two remedies. Oil of pitch, two remedies. Eliomeli, which as we have already stated, exudes from the olive trees of Syria, has a flavour like that of honey, but not without a certain nauseous taste. It relaxes the bowels and carries off the bilious secretions more particularly, if taken in doses of two chiathi, in a semisexterius of water. After drinking it, the patient falls into a torpor and requires to be aroused every now and then. Persons, when about to drink for a wager, are in the habit of taking a chiathus of it by way of prelude. Oil of pitch is employed for the cure of cough and of itch in cattle. End of section 14